Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Um, a week to go before Christmas. Wow, it's, uh, it's coming upon us. Um, what uh, what a, a joyful time uh, this Christmas season um, should be uh, in, uh, in us. So week four, so joy. Well, it's not supposed to be this way, but that's okay. Uh, I think joy is a good note uh, to end up on and appreciate Pastor John allowing me to do joy. Um, and see, this is this way, this is my second uh, time to have preached joy uh, in uh, two weeks. So lots of joy uh, in, uh, in thinking about uh, in uh, uh, this uh, Advent season. Uh, I think... December is an appropriate time to celebrate Christmas. And uh, the reason is um, because, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, this is the darkest month. But if you think about it, in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the most light. Also, very appropriate to celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas time really is uh, a contrast of light and dark, because Jesus entered into our darkness and into our dark world. Uh, this past month, I was reminded, and of course this happens every year, um, we celebrated on December 7th, a Pearl Harbor Day. And uh, I, I, I think back what it must have been like to have a nation uh, at war, but not only just any war, but a world war, and a war that seems so far away. Can you imagine what Christmas time would have been like to have that hanging over them? I think 9-11 is probably the closest thing we have, but it was a time of uncertainty and fear. That Sunday, 2,400 were killed, right? Many were wounded. The war had come home. It would have been a difficult December. But I want to contrast that with just several years later, VE Day or VJ Day. Can you imagine the joy and the jubilation that the war was finally over? So many had died, so much destruction. A great evil had passed for the moment. The conflict was over. I imagine the joy and relief I think to my own family, because uh, Uncle, uh, Uncle Irving was serving in the South Pacific, and he was killed by a sniper, and the war was over. I can only imagine the bitter sweet it must have been to my, my grandma's family to have received that news that he had passed away. So, a great evil had passed, but yet 
so much destruction. This morning, we want to prepare our hearts, and, and that's the theme. If you go to the first slide uh, there, um, it's let every heart prepare. And that's what we want to do this morning, is we want to prepare our hearts and remind ourselves the joy, the joy that should be within each of us who call upon Jesus as Savior and Lord, who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But we also recognize uh, this morning, right, we live in the valley of the shadow of death. Um, pray with me this morning. Lord, um, I thank you for Christmas time. I thank you, Lord, for the reminders of um, what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning, uh, my prayer is that our hearts are being prepared. The groundwork is being laid, Lord, to remember uh, of just your goodness towards us. But Lord, uh, we also recognize um, that we do live in the valley of the shadow of death. We have said goodbye to so many of our friends and our loved ones. Lord, we struggle, I struggle at the separation from those that we love. Lord, thank you that you give us hope in Jesus Christ that one day we will be with you in glory. And for those that, you, that know you, reunited with you. Lord, this morning we want to revel in the good news, in the gospel of Christ. Lord, help us to imagine this morning the sky filled with angels and the tidings to the shepherds. Lord, um, as we think about our faith, Lord, may our hearts be of good soil, neither rock nor weed or hard ground. Lord, this morning we want to remember that you left the 99 in search of the lost, in search of me, in search of us. Lord, this morning we want to remember the journey that you call each of us to, that it is meant to be journeyed in joy. Lord, there are so many counterfeits that seek to distract us. Lord, our purpose is to glorify you. Uh, Lord, just help us to lay aside those distractions. Lord, help us to be in your presence, to do what is needful. Lord, I do wanna pray for those who are discouraged this morning for those who are suffering under mental anguish, those who are hurting because of strained relationships, loneliness, physical challenges. Lord, surround them in your love this morning. May we feel your presence. Lord, all praise, glory, and honor belong to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When you think of the word joy, what comes to mind? You know, I think um, we get ourselves tangled up in lots of different ideas of joy. 
And, um, you know, in week one, we talked uh, about uh, hope. In week two, I think you talked about peace. Um, and for God is our peace. He is our shalom. And he is the one who completes us. And then uh, last week, you talked about uh, love and you lit the love candle. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? He didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The scriptures tell us that God is love. Not that we loved him, but he loved us first. Next slide. I want you to think of this Advent season as a series of gifts. Gifts of, uh, of, of hope. Gifts of love that when, when God sent his one and only son uh, to be our atoning sacrifice, right? That allows us to stand in his presence. But think of inside this gift of love that God gives us, he gives us the gift of life, right? N not only life in this physical, but the promise of eternal life. L life is precious. It's to be treasured. Uh, the days that are given to us, not to be squandered, but in our fallenness and the reality of death, through Jesus we have this hope of eternal life. Jesus conquered the grave. We have new life in Jesus. Death has lost its sting. And then think about other gifts that we've sung about. God's grace. God's unmerited favor. He gives us gift, gifts. He gives us the gift of grace, of truth. That God gives us truth. Right? Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It, it shouldn't amaze us that there is only one way to God, but that there is a way to God. That should amaze us. So um, I, I was uh, amused by the bulletin. It said Luke 1 through 24. That's pretty impressive. Um, we would be here a long time. But what we're gonna do this morning is pull some, some threads of joy. Uh, as I was looking this up, uh, we won't go through every joy word in Luke. So go to the next slide. Uh, and uh, this uh, in chapter one, and we're gonna meander our way through um, uh, in, uh, in, in Luke. So if you have your Bible or your device, uh, let's go to the song of Zechariah. I, I love this song um, as he says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. Right, he has raised up a horn of salvation for in uh, the house of his servant David. Right? He goes on, he says, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant. Right? It's, it's just amazing if you can just hear the joy that wells up inside as he 
thanks God for his son. And then he, he prophesies, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Because of the tender mercies of our God by which the rising of the sun will come to us from heaven to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then in verse 80, it says, the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, right? And, um, and was in the desert till the day of his showing in Israel. Can you hear in Zechariah's song, joy? Can you hear um, this idea of light? He talks about us living in the shadow of death. If you know Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, right? This idea, it's a, it's a compound word in Hebrew, and basically it means shadow and death, just like it says, right? There's a darkness that death um, presides over. Psalm 23 is, is such a comfort for me because it talks about God being the good shepherd. The psalm tells us that God is for us. God has taken away this sting of death through Christ and we hope for a better day. Next slide. So now we're in chapter two of 24. We're making good progress. Uh, and, and what Christmas would be without this, right? And, and, and think about the shepherds in the field. Uh, and he says, fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. This message of the angels, right? This is one of the opening salvos of the kingdom of God that has, is breaking through. And the scripture tells us at the right time, God sent his one and only son to be the savior of the world. It's good news. It's great news for us who dwell in the land of the shadow of death because we are the people who are in need of saving. Imagine those shepherds right, that the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear, right? So, and the angels say, fear not, right? I, I bring you this good news, this great joy for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory 
Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They heard the message and they acted on the message. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it and made known the saying that was told concerning them, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd said to them. This is a magnificent image and scene that God has given them. 400 years of silence, 700 years since the prophet Isaiah. Um, and, and what was it going to be like? God breaks through to these shepherds, these lowly shepherds. And Jesus is born. And John the Baptist is born. Right, and those who tried to figure this out Right, how it was going to be. They just couldn't put it together. They didn't want to talk about repentance and serving and turning from sin and turning to God. And then Jesus wasn't the Messiah they wanted. They didn't want the suffering servant. I'm sure that the thinking of the wise and the experts, that the tidings of the good news that God proclaimed wouldn't come to the lowly shepherds. To them, this had to be wrong. It only proves that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So now we're gonna jump to Luke chapter eight. Joy and troubles. Yeah, next slide. And the ones on the rock, this is talking about the seed of the kingdom of heaven being sown. And the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, fall away. This is a sobering parable that Jesus tells. He tells that, um, that something goes wrong in the thinking of those who have heard the word. And, and by the way, that is the appropriate response for hearing the word of God. Joy, because it's good news. It's really, really good news. But Jesus talks about this, this seed that has fallen amongst the rocks, that at first it's received with joy, but, but there's no root. It's shallow, it's surface level. And then when the testing time comes, and it will come to all of us. That should be our expectation. Testing will come to us. 
I'm reminded of this article that I saw this, this uh, uh, last week. It says, uh, this is by Religious News Service, and it talks about a book called um, Nonverts. So you get that, Nonverts. The Making of Ex-Christian America. It says, currently as many as one-third now claim no religious affiliation. And, and, and this, this book talks about how Americans resisted secularization. And what surprises the author is, why is it happening so fast now? What, what's, what's happening? Usually it takes generations. But now, right, we've gone from 7% to 34% among those who are under 30. He gives explanations of the Cold War, of communism. Uh, he gives the internet being a, a reason. Um, his last one uh, amused me. He says, um, he goes, um, he goes the, the nuns or the nonverts are rising because the, the, the nuns are, are rising. It's like, okay. Um, but then he says, we're herd creatures. And so people are joining the bandwagon and as to not missed out. I was sharing with John earlier that uh, this um, idea of, and I'll just put it in quotes, deconstruction of faith is something that seems to be fairly popular, especially among uh, uh, younger folks, people that are deconstructing their faith. Uh, they are losing their faith. And this picture of the soils is what came to mind uh, for me. It was like this atheist colleague of mine saying, I don't need a crutch of religion to make it through life. I've got the universe figured out. He said, if you only understood quantum physics, then you wouldn't need a crutch. But then I wonder, does he have death figured out? Does he really have life figured out? And again, this image of the soils comes to mind. Jesus minces no words here. He says that kind of hardness brings the enemy of our soul and the prison doors remain shut, the lights remain off. The other two soils, the seeds sprout up but something goes wrong. The seed that falls in shallow soil, it looks good but soon withers. And then there are those that sprout up and then weeds grow up and choke out those plants. There's an illustration, comes from a country song, um, and it's called Jason's Farm. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it is the parable of the shallow soil. It talks about a man who everything that he plants, it, it grows green, and that he gets a wife and he rejoices in having a wife. His wife is gonna have a baby, but then uh, she dies in childbirth. 
but then he rejects the child and he rejects his God. Um, it's a true country song uh, of tragedy. The harsh sun comes up and it can't withstand. It can't withstand the storms of life. Joy in heaven. Next slide. Jesus says, just so. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need to know repentance. What causes joy in heaven? I don't know if I would answer, right? If, if I had never seen this, this picture, I would have thought just being in the presence of God, I would be filled with joy. That should be enough joy, right? Just being in God's presence. Jesus tells this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, if, if uh, he does not leave the 99 in the open country and goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. And then Jesus tells the parable of the lost coin and the two sons. These are the stories of losing and finding. In each case, something precious has been lost. Something of great value, a sheep, a coin, a son. And to lose them causes grief. But the finding of them causes joy, great joy. Jesus is giving an image of what God values. What God is trying to save that the lost might be found. And the finding is not a reason for grumbling or complaining or being resentful because that's what the Pharisees were doing, right? Jesus is calling sinners to God to look on the lostness of others isn't an excuse for disgust, but for grief and sorrow. When the lost are found, when the sinner turns from sin and turns to God, it's time for joy, not resentment. I find it remarkable. And, 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 and let me tell you here the tragedy that I see with this exchange between Jesus and the religious leaders. First, they were unconcerned for the plight of people lost in their sin. They would leave the prison door shut. They would have them remain in darkness, oppressed by their sin. And then the second tragedy, 
that these educated, these knowledgeable ones, these ones who knew the scriptures, they didn't see their own need for repentance, their own need for the forgiveness of sin. They too should have had the heart of repentance. And that should be our hearts as well. John the Baptist came on the scene preaching the kingdom of God and the need for repentance among these elites, among, and it should have been a time of rejoicing, but it was met with skepticism and hard-heartedness. Ordinary people received the baptism of John gladly. I, I, I love this, this verse when Jesus says, what shall I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? Children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came eating uh, no bread, drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax, tax collectors and sinners. Such a tragedy. This gospel of Christ is that we would invite any any who hear the Spirit of God calling them to come join the family of God and to come be part of this journey as we discover more about Jesus. That's what Living Water Fellowship is about, that the lost might be found. Our last set of scriptures. Next slide. This um, occurs um, when Jesus... Uh, has uh, risen from the dead, right? He's been crucified. His uh, disciples um, are, um, are, are, are meeting. And um, if you remember the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, uh, Jesus joins up with them and they don't know it until the very end. And then they say, didn't our hearts burn within us? Uh, and, and then, you know, Jesus disappears. And then they run back to Jerusalem. And then they gather the disciples uh, um, among them. Um, and, you know, as much as, as Jesus told them that he was going to suffer and die and on the third day rise from the dead, right? And, and yet you still get this idea of surprise, uh, amongst the disciples, right? There is fear, there is doubt. You know, Jesus says, look, it's me. I'm, I'm not a ghost, right? Um, I think that their response of joy and wonder is appropriate. And at the very end of Luke, Jesus is taken up to heaven. Jesus is leaving them. And it's remarkable in these closing words, right? It's not that the disciples were filled with grief and sorrow or despair or, or questions of why can't we come with you? If you remember, that's what happened at the last supper when they became afraid. But now they see him and Jesus blessed them and they worshiped him, right? 
And, and, and what does it say? It says, so they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. Why? Jesus is taken from them. It's because they now have a purpose and a mission that he has told them. Next slide. Two questions for you this morning. Where is your joy this Christmas season? Can you find joy in worship? Can you find joy in the journey that God has called you and me to? And then the second question is where is the source of your joy? Can it be in his presence? Can you find joy in his forgiveness? This Christmas time, take that time to be in his presence. May you find true joy this Christmas season. The world is full of counterfeits, false hopes, cheap love, joys that are fleeting, and peace that isn't really peace. But no, you and I, we are made for joy. We are made for worship. And God has given each of us a journey for us to go on. And it should be with joy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for this Christmas time. Lord, thank you for uh, this church, for, for Living Water. Thank you for those that have come this morning uh, to worship uh, you. Lord, this morning I do pray that each may find your joy. And Lord, for any who have not made the decision, Lord, may it be today may they not delay lord may they confess lord i am i have sinned thank you for sending your one and only son lord jesus save me a sinner and lord may anyone who's prayed that prayer this morning not keep it to themselves but but share it with pastor john or, or pastor scott for to become part of your family is to be shared and Lord, um, may we go out overflowing with joy. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for Pastor John, for Pastor Scott. As they shepherd your flock, guide them, protect them, protect their families. All glory and honor belong to you, O God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.